Last week we talked about focusing on the fear of God and, and not the fear of man. And when we fear men, when we fear the things of this world, we make bad decisions. And anyway, I didn't want to leave that today. I wanted to remind us of that today. And last week, uh, after services were over, one of my favorite youth children walked up to me and they said, Pastor, you know why the Vikings are purple? And I'm probably butchering the joke. And I said, no, why are they purple? And she said, because they choke all the time. And, and anyway, I thought, you little turkey, I'm going to get you for that. And, and anyway, uh, Wednesday night, I come out to church, and, and I go up and fist bump one of the young ladies that won the Rotary Queen uh, Fair this year, and, and congratulate her, and she fist bumped me back, and, and she looked at me, and she said, you look like Matt Carpenter. And slide number three or two, if you want to put that up there, but, but uh, slide number one, I guess. But she said, I look like this guy. And, and anyway, I knew who Matt Carpenter was. He played for the Cardinals, got traded to the Yankees, and he shaved his beard off, and, and he's started a new life, so he's focusing on his mustache. And anyway, I looked at her, and, and I said, man, I've been working on the highlights, my grace. And she looked at me, and she goes, that's hideous. And we were going back and forth each other, but because of fear of man, I let the pressure hit me. And I went out this week, and I dyed my mustache just like Matt Carpenter's, <laughs> so people would like me. And you know what I found out? You make bad decisions when you're operating in fear. <laughs> because after I got to thinking about it, I had called Amy and took a picture of this and, and took a picture of this young lady that won the contest. And I said, Amy, put his mustache on her. I'm going to show it Sunday morning. <laughs> and anyway, I had all these plans and this great, wonderful service planned out. And I get here and it dawns on me, she's in children's church and she's not even going to be in here. <laughs> so we make bad decisions when we're operating in fear, fear of men. And I know I'm joking a little bit today, but all those stories are true. And, and we do need to clack and congratulate Miss Zoe because she did win an awesome contest, Rotary Queen. And she represented God and she represented her family and she represented our church well. So if you see her, thank her for that. But don't be surprised if you see that picture with a mustache on her sometime. <laughs> but anyway, the other thing I learned from this is that we have people that don't want to say anything. Look at pastor. Then we have people that walk up and say, what did you do? <laughs> I like the ones that walk up and say, what did you do? Because they're honest. I love y'all, of course. But Cooper back there, he's still laughing at me. He's like, look at pastor. And anyway, but again, the things we do because we fear men instead of fearing God. And that can become overwhelming to us. You know, the things I'm talking about today, I'm joking about, and I love these guys with all my heart, and I hope we can continue to kid back and forth. But, but, but again, when problems get so heavy that we're given into fear of men, that can be overwhelming to us. And I saw by the altar service today that, that many of you have overwhelming circumstances in your life. 
And, and those circumstances are so uh, big that you want to pray about them, that you want to share them with somebody, you want to ask the Lord to intervene. And, and that's what I challenge you to keep doing today. But we get so overwhelmed, and we've maybe made this up for him, but the bills and stress and car broke down and work and future and, and how, how, you know, all these things, they can overwhelm us, and then we make bad decisions because we begin to fear them instead of God. And then that's why I love the worship team. Me and Joe don't talk and, and, and the team doesn't talk. And that song was that we just sang is the title of the service. Overwhelm me, Lord. You know, when we feel overwhelmed, we need to give in to the Lord. And, and that's the title of the service today is that, that overwhelmed, but yet overwhelmed with Jesus. Man, we need to be so overwhelmed with Jesus that he just drips from us. That these problems, they may rattle us a little bit and, and make us think about it, but, but we run to Jesus and we run into his arms and know that we don't have to go out and color our mustaches. <laughs> that we can trust him. That we don't have to care about what men think or fear men. I mean, we need to listen to people, but, but we need to listen to God more. Solomon, I'm going to read about today out of 1 Kings 3, 1, uh, 1 through 15. And, and Solomon, uh, this, this chapter just intrigues me and there's so much there, but, but we should just jump into it. But it kind of addresses some of these things today. But 1 Kings 3, 1, uh, welcome again for those who are online. We're glad you're here today. Uh, we're glad all of you are here today and all the visitors that are joining us in-house and, and out-house in Golden City and and online, we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, all of those people, let us know if you're a visitor today because we do want to get to know you better. And that, well, that also helps if I come up and introduce myself to you every week. That'll help that stop too. But, but I'm kidding you. But I, uh, it's hard to keep up with all the guests we get. Praise God. But Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Build your house. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to give in to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he's walked with you before in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. But I can't go past that. Again, that's a whole, the, the, what I've already read is the whole point of the service is that, that when we feel overwhelmed and we sacrifice that to God, and we give ourselves as living sacrifices for, to God and embrace God, he will overwhelm us and say, what can I do? And he will move on your situation. And that's the nutshell of the service. But I just wanted to say that. You're going to hear that a lot today. At Gibeon, verse 5. 
We'll go over it again. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he's walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprighteousness of heart toward you. And you have kept him from this great steadfast love. Uh, kept for for him this great steadfast love and had given him a son to sit on a throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king place of David, my father, although but I'm a little child and I do not know how to go and come in, go out and come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for for multitude. Verse 9, if your servant therefore, uh, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I might discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this and God said to him, because you have asked this and you have not asked for yourself long life, riches, or life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with all that you have. So when Solomon came to the Lord, when he came to God and he, he laid himself before him as a sacrifice, God honored his request and not only gave that, but blessed him beyond comprehension. We need to remember that today. Verse 14, and if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father walked, David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream that he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all the servants. Again, God moved on him. He praised God. He shouted hallelujah. He, he worshiped God by the drum, however he knew how. But Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the word today. Father, we ask that it just gets into our gut, Lord, gets into our heart, soul, and mind, Lord, that we comprehend that when we're overwhelmed, that we can run to you and sacrifice that at your feet and you will overwhelm us with your presence and move in the situation and not only there, but bless us in many other ways. Father, let us get that today. Let us get that, that we don't need to hang on of any of this world, Lord, that we just need to hang on to you. Father, let us get that in Jesus' name. Amen. Overwhelmed with Jesus. You notice there that there wasn't a house of God. So Solomon, this point one, Solomon built the house of God. That was his life goal, physically to build the temple, but also spiritually. And we see that, that, that Solomon was a young man. You know, when he became king, some said 12 to 15 years old. But when he married this, this Egyptian gal, some were saying 15 to 20, most say 20. But, but again... His goal was to, to build the house. So you look at those things, young man, married, young, all these things that God had put before him, and he was trying to build the house of God. You know, Jesus tells us the same thing, that, that with these things that, that we need to build our house 
on the things of God. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 and 5, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So we need to build our house and be building our house, preparing our house physically and spiritually on the things of God, the word of God, God himself. We see that from Solomon here today. Point two, building the house of God can be overwhelming at times. Solomon, again, was very young and experienced, told you the ages, young marriage, all these things. But, but we even see in this chapter that these are called out by Solomon. Solomon admitted that he was overwhelmed with his responsibilities. In 1 Kings 3, 7, I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. How many of us feel like that with all the things in our lives that, that we've got weighing in upon us? You, you may be a child spiritually or, or, or midway through your spiritual walk, but sometimes those problems become overwhelming and you don't know what to do. Solomon also felt the pressure to perform uh, for to Israel and to, to, to really, I think sometimes we feel pressure to perform to God. First King 3.8 says, there's a great people to many, too many to be numbered or counted. And that pressure, I feel that pressure and that responsibility as a pastor because there's so many people that feel overwhelmed. And, and I had a gal text me the other day and said, Pastor, I just want you to know I appreciate you. I'm kind of dealing with some of the things you know you're dealing with, and, and I don't know how you do it. And I text her back. I said, I don't do it. I can't do it. I, I have to depend on the Lord because I can't even get to them all. And we feel overwhelmed sometimes to perform when we ultimately just need to give that to the Lord. Just give it over to the Lord and quit carrying it around. Man, man our family is a great family, and, and, and I have a burden for them. But that can go into any aspect, any area of your life. Some of you may be feeling confused today, and, and I think that Solomon called out and asked for discernment between good and evil because he was struggling to determine what is good and evil. Uh, people today, I know you in this body, you're trying to discover and discern, God, what is good and evil in my life? You know, pastor says this, and, and this person says that, and everybody says this. Father, what does your word say? I feel overwhelmed, and I need your discerning spirit. And I see these things in Solomon, you know. And I see these things in us that, 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 that we're maybe a little immature in our faith in certain areas or or we're pressured to perform, or we're confused. I see the struggles. I go through the same struggles. But I'm telling you today, go to the Lord like Solomon and say, God, give me a discerning spirit that knows good from evil. Father, move upon this situation. Run in and grab him and, and just spill your guts on him. Amen. Man, if we, we, we spend all the time, we gossip and talk about our problems to people. I should have said gossip because sometimes it's not gossip. But, but we talk about our problems to everybody or a lot. If we spent that much time in prayer, they'd be gone. Solomon 
overcame because of the work he worked to build the house, his house upon the rock. But I wanted to say, and I kind of turned you a little bit earlier, that I believe, point three, wars are won in worship of God. Wars are won in a lifestyle of worship. And I, I don't think, I think we hear worship, we just think now, Sunday mornings, when, when worship is everything we do today. Worship is Sunday school, breaking open the word. Worship is tithing. Worship is prayer. Worship is preaching. Worship is the singing and, and all that. Worship is a lifestyle of worshiping God. That's what worship is. So really, everything that we do, we should be worshiping God tomorrow, all day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 24-7. Our life should be a lifestyle of worship. And, and how do we do that? What does a lifestyle of worship look like? And, and I think, again, we see in the chapter things that Solomon pointed out, but it said right off in 1 Kings 3, 3, Solomon loved the Lord. Man, we got to love the Lord and, and press into him and, and, and get to know him. Solomon was a living sacrifice. Uh, he only sacrificed offerings in the high places Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Think about that. That's an unbelievable amount of sacrificing. Did you guys realize the song that, that you were singing today? I want to be your sacrifice. I want to be tried by fire, purified, take whatever you desire. You sang that today. That's sacrifice. That, that's a sacrifice of worship that Romans 12, 2, 1 and 2 says, be a, a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of sacrificing yourself holy and pleasing to God. Well, we can't make ourselves holy, but when we go to God and receive Christ, he makes us holy. It's a sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for today? What are we holding on to today? What keeps us from being saturated and overwhelmed by the love of God? I tell you, I've checked my own life and I've got things that I need to deal with. Doesn't mean I'm bad, it just means I'm a human Christian being trying to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. But how are we sacrificing? What are we leaving at these altars? What has God given to us? And we shouldn't put a price on it. I, I did a little... I just looked up for the best bull, the best black Angus bull, what was that value? And that's the picture that popped up. I didn't even look at the article and see how old it was. But this record has been set by uh, SCHAF Angus Valley, at Schaff Angus Valley Farm with a bull that, that produced in, in America selling for record settling $1.51 million, $1.5 million. This blows my mind. And I know that, that Solomon probably wasn't sacrificing bulls. He could have been, but we know that he sacrificed oxen. We know that he sap sacrificed sheep. We know that he sacrificed goats. And the word says that he did over thousands of them. My point is to you today, they were valuable to him. They were valuable to the economy. They were valu valuable to what other people thought about him. And he's sacrificing them to God on the altar. He put no value on the sacrifice. He said, God, I give it all to you. Right. You guys realize that when Solomon dedicated the temple, he sacrificed 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep, 
over a seven-day period. That took major work, major cost. Man, that was a, you, you think the harvest day is coming up, it's a major event? Come on. I don't even know that I could butcher one bull in seven days. Think about this. Do you believe God's word today? Are we, are we sacrificing all that we have to God that, that nothing has no value? But God, if it gets between me and God, it goes to the side. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. If you want to check me on that, 1 King 8, 863 is what I just told you about, the big sacrifice of the temple. But it was expensive. It was hard work. But it was love and dedication to God. When we're feeling overwhelmed, it may be hard. You got it today, don't you? Go to the Lord. The third thing we saw in here that Solomon knew whether he did it or not, he knew his father David, and he knew that to his best interest, he should walk in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart. Now, I didn't have time to, I'm really intrigued on 1 Kings 3, 6, when he says faithful in righteousness and uprightness of heart. What's the difference? And I didn't get time to study that out, but that's been kind of nagging at me. I'm wanting to look into that a little bit because there's something there because God's word is valuable and he says things for a reason. So check that out and give me your answers sometime. But Solomon 4 believed in God's steadfast love for him, 1 Kings 3, 6. And again, he saw it witnessed through his father and he saw it witnessed in his own life And guys, we need to recognize that God's love for us is steadfast, meaning he doesn't leave us, forsake us, meaning that when we quit, he doesn't quit. And I think a lot of times we can't comprehend God's love for us because we don't know how to love that way. Uh, We don't understand it. We may have had a bad father or bad mother or whatever. Praise God, I had a great mom, Paul. I don't say that very often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know what it is to be loved and cared for. But God cares for me for even more than they ever could think. And we need to believe in God's steadfast love. I know dad and mom would give it all up for me. God will give it all up for you. He did it in Christ his son by putting him on the cross so that you could come into a relationship with him. He gave his son in exchange for you. That's steadfast love. So we need to recognize that God loves us. You're not too bad. You don't done, have done too many things wrong. But either way, we're going to have another sermon, I think, about Solomon. But, but Solomon began to take this steadfast love for granted and it bit him later on. But we'll talk about that another day. Solomon desired to please God. And that's when God asked him, ask what I shall give you. Solomon could have asked for anything, but he desired to please God. He desired to, to be that leader God called him to be. And he said, again, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. Guys, write that prayer down and pray it yourself over your situations. When there's prayers in the Bible, I always take them and pray them a lot of times. A lot of times when I'm doing communion service, that's all I'm doing is, is the prayers you think I'm saying. I'm just reading straight from the Bible. 
But pray the prayers over your life because God did it for them and he will do it for you. And that's what's really neat. The passage in 1 Kings 3, 1 starts out after all these things we talked about today. The passage already gave you the answer. Solomon in 1 Kings 3, Solomon, first thing in 3, 1, Solomon, the son of David, established himself in his kingdom and the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. We need to realize that the day of salvation God has made you exceedingly great, that you've been righteous and made holy in his eyes, and he, he's your father, and you're his sons, and you're his daughters, you're his children, and he is with you in the beginning. Do we get that? Do we get that? So God is with us, and our act of worship is to love him back, to be a living sacrifice to best that we know how, walk in faithfulness, righteousness, and uprighteousness of heart. Believe in God's steadfast love for you and desire to please him. Wars will be won when we establish ourselves in his kingdom, and the Lord our God will be with us and make us exceedingly great. I just used that 3-1 scripture and made it towards you guys. Point four, wars will be won because God responds to a lifestyle of worship. Solomon chose to fear God instead of man. 1 King 3, 10 says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. You guys realize it pleases the Lord when you go to him and pray? I just, I just don't want to ask God that. I just can't talk to God about this. He loves it when you come to him. Man, I love it when my kids call me. I love it when they text I love to hang out with my kids. I went out and hung out with Pastor Embar Jr. the other day at the pool, and, and we dove off the boards and did all these things, and, and it was a great day. But you know what was in the back of my mind? I wish I could have been doing this with Josh and Amy. I desire to be with my family. That was a great day, but I desire to be with my people. And that's the way God is with us. He desires to be with us. He desires to spend time that pleases him that you're here today. It pleases him when you break open your word in the mornings. It pleases him at school when you talk about him. It pleases him when you involve him in your life. We need to get a hold of that today. Because God does respond to us. The other thing that pleased the Lord was Solomon didn't ask for long life, riches, or the life of his enemies. And that really hit me a lot of times. A lot of times when we go to the Lord, we're complaining. God, take Joe out. He said this about me the other day. Or, Father, give me long life. I don't feel good today. Or, Father, somebody got a promotion. Give me riches. We, we need to test and we need to try, or think about the things we're praying a lot of times because a lot of times there are selfish things that will actually keep us from God. And so that's just something that, that again, we need to, to think about because it pleased the Lord that Solomon was trying to please him. And when Solomon did that and had that attitude, all these other things came. So that's back to Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I cut it out of my notes today, but you can go back to uh, the beginning of Matthew 6. 
and start in there, Jesus tells you things to do. Then he tells you how to pray. Then he tells you this. Then he tells you that. There's five things. And I cut it out, and I maybe I shouldn't have, but, but, but he tells us how to, to live that lifestyle and not worry, not to be anxious. And then in the end, he says, seek me. Seek me. And all these other things are going to come into play. And that's what we saw with Solomon here today, that, that he said these things, or he did these things. Um, I was trying to remember. But Solomon, if you go read that Matthew 6, Jesus refers to Solomon in that passage and what I'm talking about today. Go check that out because I took it out of my notes, but but that's really interesting that how God ties the word of God together and how he makes it even more powerful. This this word, guys, is awesome. I've read the Bible, and I'm not being cocky or mouthy, but, but in college I had to read it at least once a semester completely cover to cover. And so think about that, one semester completely covered together. Now, I didn't graduate, but, but I got through two years. And so, and I've read it many times through. So that Bible, every time I'm reading it, something new jumps out at me because it's alive and real. Uh, point five, wars are won and asking the right things. The right thing was being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's what we see with Solomon today. And I don't know if we caught that or not, but... But what Solomon asked for was gifts of the spirits that we have at our disposal. You can read about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But Solomon again asked for a discerning heart. Uh, Discernment is the gift. This gift is a special spirit-given ability to properly discern evil spirits and to distinguish whether or not an utterance is from the Holy Spirit. You want to know what God's speaking? Pray for discernment. That's what it is. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are at your disposal. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12. Uh, There's lots of places in Ephesians uh, 4, lots of places you can read about the gifts. But the other one that he received was the gift of knowledge. Knowledge is an utterance inspired by the Holy Spirit that reveals knowledge about people, circumstances, or biblical truths. It is often connected closely with prophecy. So we see these things in here that these are the two gifts that Solomon operated in. And just operating in these two gifts of the Holy Spirit from God that God gave him, look how it just blessed his life. Paul encourages the church and hammers to the church that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of his gifts. He wants us to use them. Uh, Ignorance is what led you astray, Paul would be going on to tell you in in verse 2. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, pursue love. Love's the key. Because without love, you're a gonging symbol. But with love, and, and er, uh, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Peter goes on and presses this a little further in 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. 
Solomon used the gift to be a good steward of what God gave him. And, and that's what the gifts are given for. God has given us to, uh, gifts so that we can be good stewards of our, our families, our husbands, or wife, or our children, of the church, of our job, or whatever God has called us to do. We need to operate in these gifts and callings. Man, uh, we, we get this today. You want to be prosperous, but that's not what the message is about in the fi- financial ways. But if you apply the things of God to your life, you will be. I remember I was working at Freeman and was moving up in leadership. And I had to go to a mandatory leadership meeting. And the folder was that thick. And it was a three-month course. And I think it was, it was, it was intense. And, 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 and this class, all the, the leaders at Freeman had to go through and I began to read all these things, and, and it's like reading the Bible. And I finally went up to the instructor, and I said, I can put a scripture to almost every one of these. And he just grinned. And by the way, he grinned at me. I believe that what they were basing it off was the Word of God. And I saw Freeman, and when I began there, it looked like a ball-bearing factory quote from the president. Freeman looks like a ball-bearing factory into the facility it is today. And I believe it's because they stood on some principles that were in the Word. Just a few. But think about it, guys. In Ephesians 4.11, Paul says gifts. He's talking about the fivefold gifts, pastors, teachers, that all, all those. But were given to equip the saints in the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So God wants to gift us to build up our families, our marriages. He's gifted us to accomplish this. God's gifted us to to build up this church and to minister to every need in here. I believe everyone that went to that altar today, because of the gifting and anointing on those that prayed for them, received answers, they received good word, and I believe they're going to receive a miracle and have received a miracle. Are we operating in the giftings and callings that God has called us to be? Paul says this so that, and again in Ephesians 4.14, Paul says these things so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human coming, by craftiness and its deceitful schemes. So the Holy Spirit has given us, has been given us to discern, to, to have knowledge, to have prophecies, all these things again so that we're not thrown all over the place, so that we're not overwhelmed. Did we get it today? We are without excuse, and I don't mean that mean today. God has given us all that we need to be powerful, victorious men and women of God. But we got to read his word, and then we got to sacrifice to him and say, Lord, I hear your word, and I give all my all to you. 1 Corinthians 14, 49. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But Paul even goes into Hebrews and talks about in 10, 25, how do we ought to come to worship. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all these things be done for the building up. So we already established that this is worship. But when you're doing worship on Monday morning with your family, bring those things into it. Bring the things of God into all parts of our life. You can do this at work. I prayed with people at my jobs before. Wow. 
The Bible says towards the end of the day that false teachers and deceiving spirits will greatly increase. And that's why the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is so important, so extremely important today. If I could tell you everything that goes on in this body, it would blow your mind. We need the Holy Spirit. But again, I like to tell you victory stories. But if you guys read in the same chapter back in 1 Kings 3, talking about Solomon, if you jump down to 1 Kings 3, 16 through 27, God tells him all these things and tells us all these things, then what happens? But two prostitutes came to him for leadership. Both had boys on the same day. One lost the boy at night and was dead. So she took her dead baby and switched it out with the alive baby. Go check it out sometime. And the ladies were fighting over whose child it was. Man, if somebody come that to me with that to me today, I'd be like, oh, go to the government and get a blood test. Uh, well, what do we do? But they came to Solomon. And Solomon moved out in wisdom. He moved out in the gift of discernment. And verse 27 says, Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. Uh, she is his mother and all Israel. I forgot about the judgment part. He basically said, Okay, give me the baby, and he was going to cut it in two and give half to each. And the, and the one that said, No, let the other one have it. Let the other one have it. He said, That's the real mother. That was wisdom. I really butchered that story. So go read it for yourself and remember the stash. The moral of the story is that God gave him wisdom immediately and gave him knowledge immediately. And when you call upon the name of the Lord and you listen, he will immediately be speaking to you. How many times have we said, yeah, I thought about that in the beginning. I wish I'd have done it. Oh, that crossed my mind. Why didn't I do that? Maybe that was the spirit talking to you. So God tells us all these things. Another thing I thought was interesting, don't have time to get into today, but Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7 is another account of Solomon and what I talked to you about today. But, but in this chapter, and this is a scripture we use all the time, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Talking about the same thing. We give ourselves to the Lord through salvation. We're made righteous. And then we just are daily sacrifices to him. What caught my eye in 1 Kings 3, 4, something else caught my eye there. But it said, Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. And I don't know if they meant before the temple or later in life when Solomon kind of started backsliding. Because Solomon did start backsliding a little bit later. First uh, Kings 11 talks about that, 1 through 3. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, uh, Sodeans, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart from their or turn your hearts to their gods Solomon clung to these in love he had 700 wives 
who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. And so again, the reason I say that today is a lot of times as Christians, I think that we can begin to take the Lord for granted. You know, the word talks about, and if you go study that part of the chapter out in chapter 11, that Solomon knew the Lord then, but he no longer feared the Lord. And I think that we can get that way as believers if we're not careful. We can be on fire for the Lord and God moves mightily in our lives. God does wonderful things and, and we begin to take it for granted and we begin to look some things in. We begin to open the door for some things and, and, and then we, we grow from loving and having a fear of God to knowing God but not fearing him any longer. Oh, he forgives me. Oh, he'll forgive me. Ah, we're good. I'll just keep doing what I want to do. But we saw that happen, and, and if it wasn't for the promise that God had with David in 1 Kings 11, 11, and 12, uh, God would have, would have put it to Israel because of it. But he honored his word with David, but the minute Solomon was out of being king, Israel was destroyed. Something to think about. I may preach on that next week and continue on in this. But are we excited about the Lord and where we were with the Lord when we were saved? Do we remember the beginning of the story, the day I chose the Lord? Are we sacrificing to the Lord the same way? Or are we giving in to the world through the fears of what everybody thinks instead of fearing the Lord and loving him above all? To confirm that, and I love this, guys, but Gary Dumb sent a word out when I was working on this this week. And I love it when I'm struggling with a sermon and praying and seeking God when I get words and songs like you guys did this morning that confirm what God is telling me. It just makes me even stronger and more confident. But Gary sent this out this week on Wednesday, August 17th. And again, this is what he believes the Lord's telling him personally. But, but I believe the Lord's speaking that to all believers. So my people, it is a problem. It is an issue. It is a must difficult for a person who lives in a fallen, or it is most difficult for a person who lives in a fallen world. A person who is, and I'm going to not use his word because I looked it up because I was right. It means overwhelmed. A person who is overwhelmed with the things of the world to be able to comprehend and understand the things of God. For the natural person stepped, or stepped in the things of the world has been conditioned to think only as the world thinks. Think about that. It is a person who has turned to the Spirit. It is a person who is willing to hear the Spirit. It is the one who desires to be led by the Spirit. It is that person who crosses over to life in the spirit from death in the natural world. Yes, there is difficulty in so doing. Yes, it is of essence that you move from the natural to the spirit realm. For the spirit realm brings the truth and leads to eternal life. There is no other way to salvation than through the spirit. The world has great difficulty in understanding this nor comprehending this. Only those who search out the truth and desire the truth are able to live by the spirit of the truth. Be a truth seeker. 
That's too coincidental for me, but in a nutshell, that's what God's speaking to us today. So let's stand to our feet today. I know the Holy Spirit has already ministered to you. I don't need to tell you how to respond, but I challenge you today to be that living sacrifice and whatever the Lord has put upon your heart today to lay at his feet and to say, Lord...